You're listening to The Road to Philanthropy with Gary Cohn, a podcast series on giving and working with nonprofits. This podcast is produced by Painted Rock Advisors, a consulting hub providing services to the philanthropic and nonprofit communities. We bring together your values and wealth with opportunities to do good work and make the world a better place. What can we do to help you? Contact us at paintedrockadvisors at gmail.com. Hi, this is Gary Cohn. Welcome to The Road to Philanthropy, a podcast series on everything in the nonprofit, business, and philanthropic world. Today, our guest is Dale Surowitz, President and CEO of LA Jewish Health, formerly known as the Jewish Home for the Aging. Dale is a graduate of UC Berkeley, Go Bears, and has a master's degree in health from the University of Southern California. Go Trojans. Previous to being at LA Jewish Health, Dale worked for many years at Providence Cedars Tarzana Hospital and began his medical career early on in Encino Tarzana Regional Medical Center. He has always been in the hospital administration area and loves the work that he does. I look forward to welcoming you to the show today. Hi, welcome to the Road to Philanthropy. Thank you for joining us. Thank I you. want to explore a number of things in the nonprofit and hospital world or the healthcare world with you. First, let's start by asking, you know, where you grew up and how you got to hospital administration. Very good. Well, thank you, Gary. Appreciate that. I'm I'm local. You know, I'm born here in Los Angeles, raised here in the San Fernando Valley. And so for me, I'm I'm a local guy. Uh, after high school, I went to UC Berkeley, have an undergraduate degree in economics, and I have a master's in healthcare administration from USC. And uh, immediately got involved and in, in, uh, decided I want to go down the path in healthcare administration. I was debating whether I wanted to go to medical school. So actually, interestingly enough, I worked at Encino Hospital and Tarzana Hospital when I was in my junior year in college. And from there, I decided while I loved healthcare, I like the aspects of, of healthcare administration and, and the aspects of running hospitals and getting involved in that more than I did the actual provision of healthcare and being a physician. So I went down that path. From there, I got involved and in, uh, started working at Northridge Hospital and then to, went to work for what was National Medical Enterprise. It was a for profit company and uh, for profit healthcare and work, went to work up in Redding, California and able to move fairly quickly through the organization. Ultimately, became the chief operating officer for two hospitals in the Inland Empire. And then when I was 31 years old, I took my first CEO job. And uh, I worked at North Hollywood Medical Center here in the San Fernando Valley. And I did that for six years, moved on to run Encino Tarzana Regional Medical Center, which was underneath National Medical Enterprises. So here I worked at both Encino and Tarzana Hospitals. And 11 years after I had worked at those two hospitals uh, in, the, in the emergency room and in purchasing, I became the chief executive officer of the hospitals. And uh, I was and, there and for what, 25, 25 years. What brought your interest into the healthcare field to begin with? I mean, how did that happen? Well, for me, I, I always thought healthcare is, is an important component of any society. It's a right from my perspective. And I wanted to make sure that you know, that we provided the highest quality of care and services that were available. Clearly, I had, you know, seen healthcare and seen what how it was developed and really felt the importance of it. And clearly, as a, from a societal perspective, healthcare is critical. We can't do any do what we need to do from what we need to do as an as an as an organized society without effective and coordinated healthcare. And what I saw was a lot of healthcare is disjointed. 
more episodic. And I felt that, you know, I, I really wanted to make a difference on that. And so even at that point in time, beginning in the early 90s, I was going to Washington to get involved uh, representing the hospital council and here in Los Angeles and kind of lobbying the Clinton administration on healthcare reform when that was first coming out. And so I've been involved in a lot of aspects of that, but also involved in how we can make our communities better from a healthcare perspective as well. So been involved a lot locally. So to me, healthcare is is something that is an imperative. And as people age, not only it, it doesn't matter what age you are, but as you age, obviously the needs become more pronounced and more defined and we need to do a lot better job of caring for people. And I saw that at any age. So it's why it was important for me to develop relationships that enhance healthcare, especially here in the Valley, because I felt the areas we serve, people shouldn't have to drive extensive distances to get what I would consider imperative healthcare that you know can cost somebody their life if they are trying to get to a hospital and instead they have to drive an hour and they you know don't they don't get the kind of care they need i was gonna say that's why my partner she wants me to to switch from cedars to somewhere else because driving to beverly hills to see my primary physician is not a good idea she says <laughs> well and i knew i you know there's horror stories of people who live in the valley and decide to pass all the valley hospitals to get to cedars and by that time it's too late so Right. Those things are out there and we need to, again, the Valley is, you know, if I look at the Valley itself, there's two and a half million people. That kind of population deserves to have uh, better health care and more coordinated care that has more tertiary uh, capabilities. And, and so, that's what I was working towards. As a nonprofit consultant now, I've been a nonprofit executive over the years and a fundraising exec over the years. I kind of see the healthcare field as like three areas. You have the medical side. You have the business side, you have the fundraising side. Is there something else I'm missing or is those the three key factors? I, I think you there's another part that really is important. It's kind of the nexus of it. And, and it's it's part of it is medical, but it's the bridging of those gaps, right? One of the things that is very important to me that I've seen over the years is the coordination of care, right? The ability not only to provide the care, but to make sure that people are getting what they need to get in terms of the services and care that they they need to get addressed. And, and when you're in a hospital setting, you address things episodically, right? In your physician's office, you get it when you address issues. When someone shows up at your doorstep, you take care of them, they go home. The, the issues that I see in healthcare, the things that have caused some a breakdown in our systems are kind of that interstitial space, right? The points in which social determinants of health are affecting how people how people function. So we only see people in snapshots. And, and, and yet what we need to see is, well, how do people, how are they at home? What kind of lifestyle issues are they addressing? How are they making sure that they are coordinating care and services? And to me, after, you know, again, a, a, I was a acute care hospital CEO for 30 years. And I ran, you know, I was also the, uh, the regional chief operating office for Providence here in California. And so I saw how different communities work and different hospitals work and different systems work. And the ability to coordinate care more than just in the medical office setting or in the hospital setting, you've got to deal with people at home. You've got to deal with their social issues if you really want to make definitive changes in healthcare. So to me, there's that point in, in between that needs to get addressed. And I think that's kind of what I'm working on, on here at LA Jewish Health and better filling those niches. So I would add that to the mix of additional things that we'd, we'd look at if you really want to have a good healthcare system. 
Now, traditionally, you've been in the hospital side of things, and then you moved over to the senior living side of things, uh, which was uh, uh, L.A. Jewish Health, which uh, used to be called the Jewish Home. Uh, and prior to that, the Jewish Home for the Aged and a number of things. Um, how do you see the role of, of your organization now? In, in Obviously, it's not just senior living. You've changed your name. So uh, how do you perceive well, yourselves? Well, you know, for me, it's 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 kind of an evolution of who we are as an organization. And and uh, myself coming here is kind of an evolution for me, too, because for me, the Jewish home has always been very important to me. And I say the Jewish home because I had relatives that were at the Jewish home when I was a when I was a young child. And so I would actually go and visit them in Boyle Heights in the early in the late 60s and early 70s. And then they moved out here. And we're cared for um, right here on our site, so right off of it's our Eisenberg Village campus on Wilbur and Victory here in the Valley. So I've had a long association. I've been involved in the support groups, whether it's the guardians, the executives, those kinds of support groups. I've been on the boards of different uh, subgroups of the Jewish Home. So when it was, uh, I had a our Brandeman Center for Senior Care, which I'll share a little bit more about that, and really more of community-based programming and outreach into the community, those types of services, and the Strategic Planning Committee. So. I've got a long association with the Jewish home. And part of why we look at the name changes is because most people associate the word home with skilled nursing. You just immediately go to that. And, and let's face it, during, the, during COVID, the word home didn't have a very good connotation. You know, in the midst of the pandemic, all the issues that happened in New York and other places really cast dispersions and cast a, a dark shadow on, on skilled nursing. But more importantly, over the years, the Jewish home has changed and evolved. I mean, the Jewish home started in 1912, caring for six men who were looking to have go someplace for a Passover service, and they had nowhere to go. And so we created, they came and it was came into that kind of a home setting. Mm. And since then, you know, those kind of humble beginnings evolved. And now... You know, we have four different skilled nursing facilities, which is what most people think of. But we also do assisted living. We do independent living. We have memory care. We have a hospice and palliative care program. We have what we call Brandeman Center for Senior Care, which is a program that is, is what we're going to continue to grow and expand on, which provides services and outreach into the community where we bring people from the community in and provide those services and care. We have Annenberg School of Nursing, which is a nursing program. We train 140 CNAs, certified nurse assistants, licensed vocational nurses, and home healthcare workers. We train 140 of them every year. And so we're more and continuing to grow into more than just providing those skilled nursing services. We really are a diversified senior care program that offers a variety of different services that is all designed to integrate and provide coordinated care for seniors in a variety of different settings. So we care for a thousand people in residence in our different locations and 3000 people in the community. So when you think of Los Angeles Jewish Home as a skilled nursing entity, we're caring for 4000 people. We're much bigger than that and much broader than that, but most people don't perceive that. And therefore that's part of the name of Los Angeles Jewish Health because we provide a variety of coordinated healthcare services to not to actually for seniors, but also when we talk about Skirball Hospice, we provide that to the entire community. And now a moment for one of our sponsors. Jorgensen HR believes that the employer's workforce 
is the single key to customer satisfaction, reputation, growth, profitability, and the ultimate success of the company. Jorgensen works to ensure that employees are engaged, well-trained, and led by owners and management that are passionate about the success of their company and its employees. Jorgensen HR provides outsourced HR on an interim or permanent basis. They provide an audit of the company's HR policies, including work plans, procedures in compliance with labor laws. They provide affirmative action audits for companies that are required by law to have an annual report. They handle workplace investigations for harassment and discrimination among their HR solutions. Jorgensen HR, results-oriented, driven by passion, guided by expertise. Jorgensen can be reached at jorgensenhr.com, J-O-R-G-E-N-S-E-N-H-R.com. Well, I know a lot has been talked about in the world of business and the world of nonprofits about branding issues and name recognition. How do you get the message out to the community that your, your name has changed, but you're all doing the same work you always did, but expanding it? Part of that is just getting, as you mentioned, advertising. We're continuing to do that. And, and I think you're seeing that across the, I mean, look, you're seeing that across the world. People are changing their branding. For us, it was really more consistent with what we do, right? We care for a variety of different people in a variety of different settings. And so we want to have a name that better reflects that. So we're out there from the Jewish journals and getting our name out there from that perspective. You're getting, you know, we're having uh, information go into people's homes you're seeing it, you know, you'll start seeing it on billboards, you're seeing it on bus benches, you're seeing it on a variety of different correspondences and magazines that are out there. So again, we're seeing more and more of that. And rather than doing it as an image marketing, right, we try to do it around programs. So people can see not only are we changing our name, but we've got this diversity of programs that are out there. And we're trying to get that word out there about that level of diversity. So you're again, advertising, marketing materials, promotional products, and just enhancing our visibility out there and uh, and trying to get more more to the community so they see us in just more than just skilled nursing. Now I want to turn a little bit to the fundraising side of things. I've known a number of your board members over the years, and actually some of your board members were mine at Alzheimer's Association. Ah, I spent okay. time there. Uh, unfortunately, my wife was in memory care also, but she took to dementia when she was 54 and we lost her when she was 60. I didn't go to you guys. I should have done that. I went to uh, Silverado, which was uh, probably the more expensive uh, side of things, but I had family involved in the whole thing. But I, I saw the impact of that. So you have a very active network of supporters, uh, guardians. And why don't we talk about what those organizations are and how they interact with your board and with the organization as a whole? Well, we have a variety of different uh, fundraising arms here at the uh, at LA Jewish Health, and it's more than just what more, what you would typically see. So we've got support groups. The major support groups that we have here are the guardians, uh, the associates, and the executives. The guardians are a group that's been around actually for nearly a hundred years and have supported the organization through that entire time period. And it's 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 a very robust organization with nearly 400 members, uh, very significant presence in the community. They do wonderful, wonderful work. I've been involved in some of the attending many events they have over the years, and they they are there always to help support the organization. And so they traditionally have looked at things. They're very much a social organization, but people also come to together, you know, to at different events. 
and they have supported us philanthropically. But they also really, they're a tight-knit organization. And what I'm amazed by that is they have a significant number of people who are part of the younger guardians, right? They, that organization, people under 40, we have a very large cadre of people, which in today's world, as you probably know from a philanthropic perspective, it's difficult to get to that group. But if you make the, you know, not only uh, from a social perspective, but um, getting together from, you know, many of them have business relationships together, right? So um, networking is a really important component of what they bring, as do as do all of these organizations. But the younger guardians address that issue. But the guardians really, I, I, I'm I, I'm amazed because you'll sometimes have people in their 80s and people in their 30s, and yet they're having fun with each other. So those distinct right. groups actually can come together under one umbrella, and it's it's incredible. Got great leadership of that group, and and really the group really cares about both the organization and, and about LA Jewish Health. The Associates actually is a group, uh, it's been around for 80 years, and mostly women who have come together and helping to support it. Ida Mayer Cummings was one of the founders of this of the entity, and they've come together. That the, They had two support groups that merged into one. Again, Ida Mayer Cummings from Metro Golden Mayer. She created a group, and again, it was a social group, but it's also a group that raises funds for the organization as well. The executives is the newest of those organizations, and really it was a bunch, generally a bunch of business leaders in the San Fernando Valley that came together um, and to create it. It was originally the uh, San Fernando Valley Jewish business leaders and renamed themselves the executives about 20, 22 years ago or so. They also raise funds and they come together from a networking perspective. Speaker series, each of them have different kinds of speaker series and events, so they help the organization as well. So we, it's kind of a mixture of both social business networking, and from there, around a general cause of what we have, who we are as, as an organization, they've been able to support that. So that's the support groups. On the other side, we are really looking to how to coordinate our fundraising efforts under a general umbrella. So our foundation has all of those things kind of underneath that umbrella. And we're also now expanding into creating an endowment committee, which is gonna to work to establish that and really enhance our endowment and work towards that and you know, kind of mimic some of the successful efforts that have occurred around Los Angeles, around some of the initiatives that they've had. And so we're working on that group. We also have um, kind of our first um, uh, group that is targeted towards um, an industry. So kind of a, uh, so we've got the uh, finance and wealth management group, which brings those leaders together with the idea that they'll come together as a group, maybe hear from leaders in that field, from an educational perspective, from a, a you know, kind of a communication and coordination with each other and kind of get together. So it's this networking group as well, but also one that has connections that could also help us further develop our, you know, philanthropic efforts and getting the word out about that, about the organization. So we've got that underneath those umbrellas. They also, again, have a variety of different social events and fundraising events each and every year. So as an example, the executives have their circle of life event that they'll honor somebody each and every year. We do as a general organization, a reflections dinner honoring somebody or a group each and every year. So we've got those things that are going out there. So what we're finding is, and as you probably know in, in, the, in the work that you've done, Gary, and others in this field, there's no one size fits all. And as the world changes, we've got to reach people differently and have different kinds of of activities and events that are going to bring people together to help help our efforts because our needs are are continuing to grow 
And our ability to expand is going to be dependent on our ability to generate more philanthropy. Has there been an impact at all on COVID and the pandemic on your fundraising, or have you guys kept going the way you've been growing? We've had an impact. There's no doubt it's had a, had a tremendous impact. Because if you think about it, it's not just, yes, we've had a good core group that's been able to continue on. So we have generally not seen an, an enormous drop, but we have seen a drop. And a lot of that's because we couldn't get together socially. You know, without the ability to really be with each other face to face, you know, Zoom is great for a lot of things. But what I've seen is philanthropically, Zoom has limitations. So, you know, nothing like shaking people's hands or being together face to face. Yeah, it's, it's had an impact on us. But, you know, as we come out of it and now get together again, you know, we're kind of taking some of the core of what we've learned and looking at how we can, if you will, create certain hybrid scenarios to maybe reach more people and use that to uh, to our advantage, so to speak. So we're trying to look at how we can balance certain things because a lot of people still don't want to come out in public and deal with you know large groups and uh, especially those that are that are older donors. We're finding right. those not quite willing right. as much to to get out as much as they did before. Well, Steve Leader, who's a rabbi at Wilshire Boulevard, said that there are bad things that came out of COVID, which we don't know about. But the good thing is we've learned we could reach a lot more people across the nation because of zoom and our webinar and our how we promote our services and programs absolutely and 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 we have seen that as well i've got board members you know before i've got board members now that can reside in florida and yet attend all of our board meetings and now when we look at from a philanthropic efforts the message that and the things that we are doing to better serve the community and reach out and and you know, give meaning and purpose to some of the seniors that we care for. Those things now we can touch more people by by through Zoom that we never were able to get to before. So I spent 30 years in the Bay Area, and I came back to LA when my wife took ill uh, to be with family. But up there, I obviously knew the Jewish home in San Francisco, and I knew their board chairs, I knew the CEOs, and things like that. Uh, do you have a network of uh, Jewish health organizations across the nation you're part of, or are you? kind of on your own? Well, it's an in- interesting. We we are on our own and part of a group, okay? So we have like a trade group that we are part of, uh, the American, it's called AJAS, the American Jewish Aging Service. And it coordinates all of, uh, under that umbrella, if you're a participating member, most of the, what we call Jewish home or Jewish organizations are underneath that umbrella. Interestingly enough, most of them are changing their names too because of the diversified portfolio of services that they offer as well. But we have that organization, but all of us generally are independent, right? We exist. We are not-for-profits. We exist to serve the communities in which we are in. And so we tend to find that they are city-based. Many of them, again, used to only take care of people who are, who are Jewish. But again, in today's world, because of the financing situation, we'd have a diversified portfolio and take care of all kinds of people that are out there. And generally, it's the people who need our services, but that helps us support our mission. And that's critical. So that, you know, kind of have create that balance of services. But we are represented by a larger organization from the purposes of lobbying and, and uh, legislation and other kinds of governmental activities, um, which helps us a great deal. Um, it, especially during the pandemic, they were very, very helpful as well. Because if we ever had an issue of getting access to certain services, they would assist in that. But really, we're independent. Got it. You said uh, earlier that you do a lot of training of nurses uh, in the organization. And I was talking to a a doctor friend of mine, actually, I've known for a long, long time. We just retired 
his last assignment was he was at Providence Tarzana for a couple of years. Um, but he said there's a big shortage in the nursing field today. Uh, do you do you see that also? And how do you recruit uh, more people into the field? It's a challenge. I mean, again, running the same hospital that he was at, I you know, I I can tell you that it's uh, it's a challenge, and it's going to become more and more of a pronounced challenge, especially post pandemic. You know, a lot of nurses, the average age of uh, certainly of RNs out there was is quite old. I remember the average age was about 58 in certain communities. And so many of them are starting to retire post pandemic. They've they've had it right. I mean, uh, going through the pandemic in a hospital setting was was difficult at best. And so what we're what you see is are, are an aging workforce and people are leaving the communities that they're in. And, and moving on to do other things, or even outside of healthcare, or just retiring. So for us, one of the things that we feel is important, workforce development is critical, okay? And so having the Annenberg School of Nursing affords us the ability to bring in these kinds of nurses that we need. Now, we need RNs, LVNs, CNAs, those types of things. And so we have, again, graduating 140 every year. The intention of that, um, when it was first created, was to create a pipeline. And so the organ the school's been around for about 10 years and it's helping us bring people in. But one of the other things that I think helps, and I did this when I ran Providence Cedar Sinai Tarzana Medical Center, and I'm doing it here, is you've got to reach people sooner. So you've got to get to the kids, right? You've got to get to high school kids and make get them excited and get them exposed to healthcare professions. Because the more that they're exposed to those things, the more they're apt to start moving in that direction. So we we are big on making sure that volunteers come in and that we bring people in and expose them to different healthcare settings and different healthcare careers. And I think the more exposure they get, the better chance we have to bring them in. Because again, I think it's a, a vital and important part of both of society, but I think the intrinsic value, you know, one, you'll always have a job if you go into healthcare because of our aging population, there's always a need. But right. on top of that, there is a, a, a tremendous, you know, self-gratification, but also the, the, you know, the monies that are there are greater than they've been before for people coming into these careers. So I think in, in total, we're, we're trying to find different ways to bring people in our doors because it's highly competitive out there. And the only way to do that is you've got to start a little sooner. And again, having our own school helps us a great deal. We thank our sponsor, Hot Dog Business Growth. Hot Dog Business Growth has over 40 years of practical experience. We've developed best practices for the execution of ideas, professional growth, constructive communication, employee relations, sales strategies, including compensation, pricing, marketing, and much more, such as CEO and leadership counseling, both in the for-profit and nonprofit sectors, customer service assessments and training, sales counseling for individuals, sales teams, sales management support, and pricing strategies. We focus on team synergy. Our leader, Joel Volk, has spent years building the type of team synergy that results in positive relationships and improved results. We have a team of 11 consultants working in the profit and nonprofit world. As Joel says, hot dog, it's a wonderful life. You can find us at hotdogbizgrowth.com. That's hotdogbizgrowth.com. So I want to turn to a couple of controversial issues for a moment before we end the podcast with some fun stuff. In the today's LA Times, there was an article about uh, Governor Newsom uh, talking about 
CVS and Walgreens pharmacies and what they're doing in red states regarding uh, abortion pills and and how do you see that taking place in in the healthcare field what's the impact of that well again i think part of what we we have the in healthcare you have a we have a, we're taking care of people that are out there right i mean most of those things that are out there if you look at it from an acute care hospital's perspective that's separate from that there's competition out there right there's always going to be somebody else there who can pick that up right? You're not dealing with Walgreens. So let's say CVS is just going to, it's just going to help a CVS, right? You've got, in those scenarios, you've got organizations that are there to pick up the pieces of other ones are, are, are out, right? And I think you're seeing more and more political leverage to achieve sometimes some social directives. Personally, I'm not a big fan of those kinds of things, because I think if you view, so, if you view healthcare as a right, and you start leveraging organizations for political reasons, right? We're, we're in effect truly truly creating scenarios where you're going to have people who are going to go without needed healthcare services. And right. to me, that's not right. I mean, you're, you're basically leveraging the populace to get political needs addressed. From my perspective, we have to view this as a, you know, again, this is why I think healthcare is a coordinated effort. We have a kind of a social responsibility. And that's why I'm here. I mean, I to me, it's a responsibility of myself to make sure we're caring for seniors. I think if we approach healthcare as a resp our responsibility for those that are involved in healthcare and making sure that we're providing those services to the people who need us, then we're in a position to have a tremendous impact on society. And, uh, you know, by doing so, you know, we, we keep our workforce <laughs> healthier, we keep our population healthier, and, you know, we have a better population as a result. So, Again, I'm. Uh, I think it's going to have some impact, but you know, because we're, you know, you've got competition in those in those, you know, kind of business spaces. You can afford to leverage one organization to accomplish a political goal. Okay, very, very good. If someone wants to reach out and and my listeners, a group of people want to reach the LA Jewish Home, how would they best do that to support you all? We have so many different vehicles to come in. So we have our website. So we have, you can go to lajh.org and um, you can get access to us there. Phone number 818-774-3000. You're going to get us as well. And so we've got different ways to get us. And of course, uh, we have different locations. You know, we actually have different sites. I'm excited to say we've got a new site that we're going to be opening up, uh, a Brandman Center for Senior Care. And that site is going to be off of Roxbury and Pico, and that will open in June. And that will probably touch about anywhere between four to 500 seniors who need our services in that community, in the broader community in the West Side. And it sounds like your job is 24-7, but you probably have time for fun things in your life. What do you do when you're not at work? Well, I like to spend time with my family, first and foremost. Uh, you know, I've got uh, um, four grandchildren, and so I love spending time with them. And uh, just about every sport you can imagine, I like to do knees. As long as my knees hold up, I'm going to continue to do it. But I enjoy, you know, all kinds of exercise and getting out there and kind of to, to free my mind. But also, I just enjoy it as well. But spending time with my family, getting spending time with my grandchildren and children are, are very special to me. I would say that one of the things that always comes through in these uh, podcasts is that uh, the work-life balance issues for people, that no matter how busy they are, how successful they are, they always want to have time for family, which is uh, obviously the most important. And it's critical. I mean, I, I have to tell you, running, I, I ran hospitals for a long time. 
And I would always try to blend things together. So I would coach my kids, but afterwards I would schedule meetings after, and I put my kids in one area in the hospital and they would do their homework next to my office and I would have meetings. So I would try to blend it together. Right. And they, we bring dinner in. And so we try to do that. So we, you know, again, it's kind of a work-life balance for me. My solution was always to try to live closer to where I work, considering the amount of hours that I had. But right, that makes the, makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So, was me, there anything I should have asked you that I did not ask or didn't know to ask uh, that I should know or we should know? I think the issue is more than anything else. We we as an organization are there to serve the community, right? We've got our, our our Jewish roots, and we are there to care for that population. But we care for all populations that are out there of seniors that need us. The senior population, we care for a lot of high-risk seniors. The average age of our people that are in residence is 91. Wow, wow. We are caring for a very old population. So what we need to do is our goal is just to provide coordinated service to keep them healthy but we're also reaching out deeper into the community. So from a strategic perspective, you're gonna see us more and more providing services. The Brandeman Center for Senior Care is designed to take people at risk in the community, bring them into a central setting and keep them healthy and well. And we've had tremendous successes because we also send people to their homes to make sure that they're safe in their own homes and providing those services. So we're there to, for, to meet people's needs, both in residence where they can reside here with us in different settings, all over in the expanding into the uh, throughout the LA area, but also in terms of providing community-based services that will reach out and provide the services to people in their homes. So very good. Our goal is to meet those needs across across LA. Well, thank you for being a guest on my show. I think uh, I learned a lot more about LA Jewish Health than I knew before, and I think my listeners will too. So thank you again for being here. Thank you, Gary, for giving me the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening. We want to stay connected with you. Be sure to stay connected with our community by giving a like to our Facebook page and following our Instagram at paintedrock underscore advisors. Our podcast is available on all of your favorite platforms. We'll see you at our next release. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.